Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne. Today I'd like to tell you about How It Ends, a podcast on the RQ network. How It Ends is a character-driven audio drama that intertwines grief, dreams, memory and mystery. On an ordinary evening in November 1993, Micah Jones's entire world collapses when her father, Nolan, dies in a car accident. Over 20 years later, grief has a hold on her, causing night terrors and an eerie recurring dream that leaves Micah exhausted and on edge. She starts a podcast with her friends to put her nightmares to rest, and in the process, accidentally uncovers something much darker, something she was never meant to find. How It Ends was meant to free her from her nightmares and help her deal with her loss, but when new information about her father's accident is revealed through an unexpected source, Micah's world is changed again, and she discovers that sometimes dreams aren't dreams at all, they're memories. Follow Season 3 now by searching for How It Ends wherever you get your podcasts, or go to howitendspodcast.com or rustyquill.com for more information. Have fun and see you later. Hey there, and welcome to Fan Theory Queries, where we analyze fan theories from all over the internet, but mostly Reddit. I'm Spencer. I'm Michael. And I'm Blythe. Blythe, thanks so much for joining us. Blythe is filling in with us this recording session, which when we record, a little peek behind the curtain, we record multiple episodes at a time since they're so short. And so uh, Lara is a little under the weather right now. Lara, our normal co-host, has a little bit of a scratchy throat. And so to give her a break, Blythe, our official fill-in co-host, is jumping in uh, into Lara's seat. L- luckily, Lara kept it warm for her. So you're all good to yes. go. Yes, thanks for having <laughs> me. Lara, we miss you. Yes, especially me. All right, D&D nerds, are you ready for this one? This is a good one. This is from Sam DMH13. And they say Stranger Things is actually a D&D campaign. Mm. Hear me out here. I know it sounds crazy, but let me break it down. Imagine if each character is actually a character in a game controlled by players, and what we are actually watching is the campaign. The whole series is three separate parties playing together. The first party are older members in the group that have played before in previous campaigns, Joyce, Hopper, Bob, who frequently played together, but maybe grew apart, but then the person controlling Bob rejoined the party. Characters like Jonathan, Nancy, and Steve, and then Billy, have played before together, so they generally party up themselves during this huge campaign, which mirrors the storyline. The final party is the younger newbie party, consisting of Elle, Mike, Lucas, Will, Dustin, and Max. They are new, so the Game Master uses them for his campaign, which includes taking Will, giving Eleven weird powers, and making their friends try to save them without help from the other two parties. Each party has their own campaign and goal in mind, but as they continue to play, they learn that they have to rely on each other's help for any of them to win the campaign. Each season is a different three-part campaign, with small side quests for certain characters, like when Eleven has to meet up with her long-lost sister in order to be able to rejoin her previous party. Thoughts? So a quick, just a quick clarifier uh, for listeners. And um, this was posted several years ago, um, so that's why there aren't any like recent characters mentioned. 
Uh, so it says four years ago. So that probably would have been yeah. after season. Probably would that have been before season three? Probably. I put in, yeah, probably I was right so. after season two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would still definitely worth talking about, and I, I don't think that anything since then has made it impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is an interesting take uh, as as a a DM uh, for a campaign that Blythe is actually playing in. Yes. Um, I, 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 I don't want to give away what my rating is, but I, I do think this is an interesting way of looking at the show because I, there was another show that recently came out um, that I started watching and I wasn't super into it for the first few episodes, but then something clicked in my brain and I was like, you know, if you watch this and picture it as people playing a D and D campaign and this is, this is their <laughs> campaign. It, it honestly took the show from a one or two up to 11 for me. It was just, it made it so much better. And so I, I like the idea of, of doing that with this show, even though this show was already great, uh, without thinking about it like that, mm-hmm. I think that this um, this adds a whole different perspective to what happens in the shows, mm-hmm. and it also kind of gives somewhat of an explanation for some of the just drastic differences in between mm-hmm. the first three seasons mm-hmm. uh, that maybe we talked s- about in in a previous episode. But or maybe some yeah, potential plot holes or inconsistencies. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as I mean, as good as any DM is out there, uh, even some of the the greats, there there's going to be one or two things that they miss if they try to connect all their campaigns together, mm-hmm. as far as like continuity goes. And so it would, like you said, Spencer, it would, it would definitely make sense uh, from that perspective to explain some of the things that are plot holes in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's uh, not also, even, go ahead. as this theory states, it's not even just a new campaign every season, but multiple parties playing separate yeah. campaigns that are kind of converging. So yeah. that that could get confusing, but that would definitely explain how some things are kind of disjointed um, possibly in the show. Not saying they are, but if they were, that would explain yeah. that for sure. Yeah, and I do like thinking about the different uh, parties that they mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The older players, the uh, medium ones, and then the, the new ones. Which uh, it would explain a lot of their decisions in the yeah. show. But what's cool is, is looking at this, you know, four years removed and mm-hmm. seeing how, okay, you have that, you can see how that makes sense in the first two seasons, but then in the next two seasons, you do see that those formulas start to be messed with a little bit. So you don't always see the same people grouping up. You see them mixed in together. You right. see adults mm-hmm. with kids. You see, you know, those those parties not be so um, so strict. And right. uh, you see new parties. Uh, you know, season four, you had the California party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting. then you had, had uh, the party that actually mattered. Which was, <laughs> well, that's uh, that's probably Eddie and, that's, that's <laughs> and, probably uh, funny. And, um, yeah. 
because uh, that's that's probably a good transition into our first comment. Uh, Blythe, I see you have highlighted a, a great comment here from Metatron207. Yes. They said, Will is definitely an NPC. He's gone for long stretches. I think we can all probably agree with that. <laughs> he's yeah. gone for long stretches in some campaigns, and in-game, he's a DM, which would be a fun little meta joke. This is one of those theories that is almost impossible to disprove and isn't likely what the Duffer brothers actually had in mind, but it's fun and I like it. <laughs> yeah. Will is definitely yeah. an NPC. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, that's that's let's play a fun game. Let's who is okay. the who are the NPCs? So Well, like, okay, I would... this is Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I I think that Surfer Bro Pizza, I forget what his mm-hmm. name is, I feel like he would be an NPC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the crazy but fun dude that helps Joyce that can speak Russian and knows karate. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his name. I think he's an NPC. Yes. Uh, yeah, Definitely. I, guess, I guess so. I'm sorry, I, I can't think... believe I'm blanking on his name, too. I yeah. think the um, Russian prison guard that helps them and yes. then ends up getting um, destroyed because of it by his own people. I think that he's an NPC, yeah. possibly. Um, I actually, yeah. you know, thinking about this theory, um, have thought because having multiple parties with converging campaigns. Um, that's really complicated. And so it might almost make more sense that our um, main cast, they are just one party together. And then maybe Mm -hmm. you see um, whether it's maybe just the kids and then the parents are all NPCs. Um, But then you think of, you know, Hopper is so awesome. Like how could that just be an Mm -hmm. NPC? But there are awesome NPCs if you have an awesome DM. So it's mm-hmm. possible. But um, yeah. I, th- I think the thing that's hard for me with this theory is just having multiple um, campaigns going at once. Um, I think it would make more sense for it to just be one campaign with uh, maybe some separate side quests or maybe we're just seeing things that the NPCs are doing, like the parents, mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, maybe in a campaign would have just been explained to you by the DM or you would find out about later. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. I love this. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to tag onto what you just said. But before I uh, listeners kill us, uh, Murray, the character's name is Murray. Yes, yes. I oh had my to look goodness. it up. Ugh. Thank um, you. But yeah, you know, when you when you put it that way, Blythe, let's just say let's just say that this is one game because mm-hmm. that's what the theory is mm-hmm. it's a D campaign yes. how do you michael mm-hmm. as a dm yes could you feasibly manage three different parties simultaneously not necessarily like obviously at the same time but let's say each week as a DM, you have three nights dedicated to running a campaign. And then let's mm-hmm. say you have one session. And then the next session during the week is another party. And you kind of mm-hmm. give them, maybe you do, maybe you don't, 
give them some kind of a recap of what happened with the other party. Maybe I guess it would be more. It make so, more sense that that you wouldn't get that information, so they don't have make those decisions based on what those people do. Yeah. Would that be exhausting? <laughs> so, <laughs> if if I didn't have to, like, if if that was my job, if my job was what is actually my real life dream job is to just be a DM <laughs> professionally. If if that was my sole job and I didn't have any other responsibilities, then I feel like. I've I've already just while you were talking about it kind of formulated a plan on how I could get this to work mm-hmm. and I feel like I could interweave the stories so I the way I would do it if I were doing this is I would have uh, the main party go first the kids you know mm-hmm. uh, for those three sessions during during the week and then I would um, let them kind of guide the story and then I would take the big things that happen in in their uh, their session and then i would incorporate those things allow that to mold the next session with the next group and so they, I, everything that's everything is happening simultaneously in game mm-hmm. with with the three different parties but we're just seeing it from different perspectives like you do on the show mm-hmm. where it cuts to different different groups of people and so the, i would allow the first one to impact the second session and then whatever happens in the second session and the first session that would also impact the third session and so it wouldn't necessarily be as difficult to plan for because you kind of allow one to lead to the other and mm-hmm. they do a lot of the work for you mm-hmm. um, but yes I could see how this would be very time-consuming to organize um, I, I actually saw a video the other day of um, I didn't know this was a thing until I saw this video, but apparently at, there was like a gaming store where there had been oh, yeah. literally like 10, <laughs> 10 different tables, 10 different mm-hmm. uh, gaming tables of, of people playing in their own separate campaigns, but all their campaigns were connected. Like they were all doing, they were all playing different characters in the same world mm-hmm. that was, and all their stuff was happening simultaneously. And there was, it was one- like- person in charge of of all of it yeah there was one person Mm -hmm. in charge of the whole thing who was organizing between the different dms of each table what was going on with the others and Mm -hmm. so the the video shows like the culmination of the final battle of this ultimate campaign of everybody and so you see this guy coordinating and run from table to table and announcing big things that have happened. Like this table over here just defeated this this big monster, this uh, big bad guy. And then this table over here defeated this one. As the, the battle's going on, everybody kind of cheers and stuff when things like that would happen. Or this person was, was killed in battle and, and people get sad, you know, and just things like that. And honestly, it was one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen. Yeah. So there are people to all that say there are people out there that do stuff like this mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it is possible uh, it's just for me it would that would have to be my entire career to, yeah. to be able to manage <laughs> something like that it's all consuming i think that is more yeah. um possible doing it that way simultaneously with multiple dms in yes. the same space so each table is informing what the other one is doing um, at the same right. time rather than having it disjointed throughout a week because, you know, you have um, in some of these episodes, you have like the parents doing certain things because of what the kids are doing at the same time um, or they're right. communicating um, with each other while they're doing something together. And so mm-hmm. um, 
I think that that would make more sense if they were all in the same space, but with separate DMs for each group. Mm. Um, well, it's like it's like in uh, this latest season, uh, the whole big kind of finale where they're all kind mm -hmm. of working together and coordinating with each other. Each group is coordinating with, with each other on what they're doing in order to take down Vecna, you know? Yeah. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. I awesome. think it's safe to say though, out of anyone, uh, Eddie and Erica are for sure, um, main characters of, of the oh, show yeah, and of the campaign. If it is a D&D <laughs> well, campaign. So, so my question then would be how, I mean, is, I guess because the the season or the series is not complete and we still don't know, mm -hmm. you know, we mm -hmm. we assume that Eddie is gone. Like, do you write characters, disposable, awesome characters like that? Um, I, I do. Mean... Okay. <laughs> uh, not to give anything away for the future of the campaign that I'm running for mm -hmm. Blythe, but there are some characters that I am have introduced and are planning on introducing that are mm -hmm. meant to. And they're playable. Ultimately, make a sacrifice. Um, I may or may not have some guest players lined up to play some of these characters for a okay. short run, but um, yeah. Okay. I um, think me, as someone who um, has only DM'd a couple of one shots, but as someone who is primarily just a player, um, personally, I, although it would be really sad <laughs> if mm -hmm. one of my players actually died in game. I just think narratively how cool that is when you have someone go out that way, if that is what has happened to Eddie. Um, I yeah. think, I mean, that was so epic. I would be totally fine with that if that's what happened to my player character in a game like that. So yeah. um, I think that's totally possible. All right. Cool. Okay, so let's take a look at a couple other uh, comments here. Um, Sad Chipmunk, love the name, <laughs> said, Having played D&D, I think the characters act a lot like players in a campaign. They all have specific skills and weaknesses. They have proficiencies mm -hmm. and different weapons as well. For example, Hopper is definitely a barbarian, and <laughs> yeah. Murray is a bard. <laughs> Hopper <Yep. laughs> uses intimidate checks and, um, sorry, Hopper uses intimidation checks and Murray uses diplomacy. Nancy is yep. proficient with guns, where Steve <laughs> is better with the nailed bat. I'm not sold on the show actually being a campaign that we're seeing, but I think D&D &D mechanics play a part on how the characters develop and behave throughout the series. I think they wanted to bring D&D &D to life in a way that is digestible for everyone and not just nerds. See, I love that because that's exactly yes. what the show is. That's mm -hmm. it. The show has, has brought so many people into the world of D&D &D that would never have even touched it before. Yeah. So there's that point of it. And I, and I do appreciate that. But at the same time, this could also be true, you know, kind of like, like Michael, what you were saying about looking at other shows as D&D mm &hmm. &D campaigns, mm -hmm. this is not necessarily exclusive to D&D, &D, though. Like, all movies have characters in them that are good at certain... Not all movies, but, you know, you get what I'm saying, action mm -hmm. movies. You know, yeah. even a comic book movie. You know, you've got your... your. Just look at the Avengers. Each one has different skill sets. They're good at their... Have different personalities. So I don't think that that 
is exclusive to D and D mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a good parallel for the show, right? And some might make make the case or make the argument that it's more prevalent, maybe maybe more obvious in this simply because they use D and D as source material. Mm-hmm. But I would not use that as support um, for the theory for sure. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So my whole life, I have always watched movies and then, um, you know, throughout the days and weeks and months after I've seen a movie that I just thought was awesome, I start imagining um, other scenes that could be in there, other characters or, um, you know, what happened after the ending. And that's all, you know, theater of the mind at that point. And so I feel Mm, like... Um, especially as an avid D&D player now, where it's all theater of the mind, it is so easy to make this connection to almost any, um, I don't want to say nerdy film, but almost any film or TV show in general that has some sort of combat element um, and things that you would find in um, D&D um, like this. So I think I think that's a good point, Spencer, um, because mm-hmm. I can see that playing out with most um, uh, films and TV shows that are like that. I mean, yeah. Marvel, DC, all of that mm-hmm. um, yeah. are great examples. Star Wars, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Star Wars works too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even, uh, even the movies and shows that don't really have any combat in it, just right. think of those as, as sessions that uh, for groups that aren't really into combat in D mm-hmm. and D and just play it for the RP side of things, the, the yeah. role playing mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. like that's just they want a more serious thing. So I mean, I, that that formula can be can be applied to almost any form of of media at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you really think about it. Yeah. So what's that last comment, Blythe? So our last comment here is from. Sherbert Sean, I believe, (laughs) (laughs) says, This is fun because D&D is a recurring motif of the show. However, this theory could be applied to any show or movie. (laughs) It is a variant of the it was all a dream trope. For example, it was all a game. The theory itself is likely unprovable since a reveal of this kind would most likely trivialize the story's consequences. As such, the writers are unlikely to pursue it. A notable exception to this rule is the Lego movie. The reveal there has two distinct features. It is a direct continuation of the story's themes that allows the moral or lesson to be rephrased in a relatable way. We're taken to a completely different world, CGI to footage, which softens the transition. The CGI world already follows such uh, disparate rules that its consequences are still tangible after the reveal. This is certainly possible with Stranger Things, but in my opinion, the D&D campaign reveal takes us to a world that's too similar to the story being portrayed. It would be difficult to pull it off without the audience feeling shortchanged. I Mm. actually really have to agree with that. Um, I mean, I think it's so fun to think of it like that kind of behind the scenes and to almost theater of the mind that it would Mm -hmm. be that Um, but I agree. I do think it would kind of, um, take away from the show if they did do some big reveal like that. I don't, I don't know how I would actually feel about that if they really showed that. 
I would, I would, I'm a hundred percent in agreement. I would, I would not be happy. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, uh, to provide another example. Um, I saw an interview, this is an old interview from uh, years ago, but, um, it was a talk show and, uh, the cast and, uh, writer slash director of the show of, uh, sons of anarchy, uh, were, were on there. And, uh, the, the guy that created the show, the, the writer director, he was talking about how, um, the, this was basically, they were doing this interview because the finale of the show was, was about to air. So that tells you how long ago this was done. But he, he said that whenever it was, uh, coming up, people kept asking him for, um, little hints of, of what's going to happen in the end, uh, on Twitter and, and messaging him on social media. And, he said that he he posted, um, without saying it was a joke. He posted a, a joke about like what the ending was gonna be like, and he said because for those that don't know, Sons of Anarchy is a show about this biker gang and and all the serious stuff that goes on with that. It's a, it's a drama. It's not a fun show. Um, and he he said that um, the ending was gonna happen to where uh, Jax, who's the main character, the the guy that leads the biker gang. Um, actually snaps out of uh, a daydream and um, he's uh, riding a Vespa with a coffee in his hand <laughs> and he pulls he pulls into a, a parking space and that's how it ends. That's so funny. And he's basically yeah. been daydreaming about being a, a, in a biker gang the whole time. I love that. So, and mm. it, apparently people believed him and just flipped out on social media <laughs> until he finally revealed. I was, it was a joke, mm-hmm. guys. But that, that just kind of made me think of that mm. uh, whenever mm-hmm. we were talking about this last comment. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think um, I think I'm sorry about at my rating at this point. Yeah, I think I'm agree. about there too. Hold that thought because we're gonna go to an ad break. What do you do when no one else is watching? What do you do that makes you happy for no reason at all? What are you obsessed with? I'm Leslie Arfin, and I'm a writer. But I'm also a dancer, a painter, a vapor, a dollhouse enthusiast, and basically just an overall hobbyist. My podcast, Filling the Void, is all about what other people are fanatically into. We talk about hobbies, even if you don't have one. Listen to Filling the Void on Tuesdays on the Erios Network. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'd like to tell you about How It Ends a podcast on the RQ Network. How It Ends is a character-driven audio drama that intertwines grief, dreams, memory, and mystery. On an ordinary evening in November 1993, Micah Jones's entire world collapses when her father, Nolan, dies in a car accident. Over 20 years later, grief has a hold on her, causing night terrors and an eerie recurring dream that leaves Micah exhausted and on edge. She starts a podcast with her friends to put her nightmares to rest, and in the process, accidentally uncovers something much darker, something she was never meant to find. How It Ends was meant to free her from her nightmares and help her deal with her loss, but when new information about her father's accident is revealed through an unexpected source, Micah's world is changed again, and she discovers that sometimes dreams aren't dreams at all, they're memories. Follow Season 3 now, by searching for How It Ends wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to howitendspodcast.com or rustyquill.com for more information. Have fun and see you later. All right.
right, guys, I cannot wait to hear what your ratings are. But before we do that, Michael, can you remind us what our rating scale is? Absolutely. The highest rating that we have is genius. This is reserved for only the best theories, which we believe are better than the actual canon. The next step down is plausible. It's a good theory. It's believable. Unlikely is next. It's not a terrible theory, but pretty unlikely, as the name suggests. And then the last thing is preposterous. These are the theories that are just stupid. Basically, we're all dumber for having listened to them. All right. Um, who would like to go first? Um, I, I'll actually go first on this one. Since go for I'm it. Last, uh, on our previous episode. Um, for, for me, I, I have to say this one's genius too. You, you had me at stranger things. You had me at D and D. Um, I, I love it. Um, while I can see that if it was revealed that this was just all a big game or whatever, um, how it could maybe take away from the impact of the story itself for some people. Um, for me, I just, uh, it wouldn't bother me as much. And so I just think this is a fun way of, of looking at it. And like I said before, I have started kind of looking at a lot of shows as if they were just a and d game being played by people. And it's some of them, it's made them a lot better than they were. So I have to give this a genius. All right. Um, I'll go next. You know, I was, I don't think I was ever at genius. I, after you read the theory, I was at a pretty solid plausible, but after mm-hmm. that last comment, <laughs> um, I have to come down to unlikely territory. Um, okay. Not only because I don't want it to be um, a campaign, I want it to have real stakes. Not Also not because I legit don't think that the directors, writers, I don't think that they would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's also part of my thing. But I just think that, you know, we're kind of stretched to the limit as far as our, not, not stretched to the limit, but like our, our, our belief system for the, sh- for the show has been so like, oh, we kind of have to like believe almost anything at this point. Anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what these monsters and stuff are capable of. Um, It's just like, okay, well now we're just supposed to, or we're supposed to just believe that this was all just part of the game. It takes even, I think that takes even more um, mm-hmm. of a, of a step to just kind of accept that that's what it was this whole time. Um, and I think that and and while there's nothing in the theory that is completely contradicted by the newer seasons, I think the more complex things get, especially in season four, um, where we see like the formation of the upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I just think that that's just way, way too complex. Like, even if you had, let's just say you had multiple game masters, I think it's just too, uh, too, too much of a complex plot for it to be a game. And also, I think it would just be kind of. Michael, if you've done this, I apologize, but it just seems kind of silly to have a game where you're playing a game. Like they're actually yeah. playing D&D in the show. And so my it's has like been done before. <laughs> Not by me, but it has been done. It just it just seems kind of like okay, here 
well, that's enough, you know, if mm-hmm. you kind of get into like inception territory, exactly. Whenever it's a game within a game within a game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, and then like, you know, like, it's like all the flashbacks in season four and you're like re- 11 yeah. reliving all their stuff. And I know that, that can all be written into a campaign and that kind of thing. I'm not saying that's impossible, mm-hmm. but yeah. that's why I'm saying it is unlikely. Okay. That's okay. fair. Interesting. So I'm going to kind of split down the middle and go with a plausible on the swim. Um, I do love D&D. I do love Stranger Things. So I might be a little bit biased um, (laughs) because, I I mean, I think you both had great points. Um, I think that initially just thinking of um, the creators of the show – approaching it in this way just for themselves. Um, I think that this could be um, very possible that that's how they were approaching it Um, in character creation, in major plot points and how everything moves um, throughout the campaign or throughout the show. Um, I think that if that's their thought process, it's very possible. I think where this theory is kind of knocked down a little bit for me to a plausible Um, is just the mechanics of having multiple campaigns at multiple times trying to converge together and then mixing and matching people. Um, I think it gets a little complicated um, rather than just simplified of here are our main characters, you know, five, Mm -hmm. six, seven, however many. They're the main party and then everyone else is an NPC. This is how we're going to approach it. Um, I think that just going about it in this way of having the parents are a party and then the older kids are a party and then the younger kids are a party. That's a little too complicated for me and kind of knocked it down Mm -hmm. a bit. And then I do agree. I think that even though my um, love for D&D is very strong, I think that it would kind of uh, diminish the show itself if they did some really big, oh, reveal, guess what? They were playing D&D the whole time. Um, <laughs> I think it's more fun to think of it as that's probably what's actually happening, but this is how awesome D&D is because this is what you're seeing in your mind when you're playing. This is yeah. what it actually is. Yeah. So I think if you think of it that way, it's easier to, to go along with this theory. So all that mm-hmm. being said, I'm going to go with a solid plausible. Awesome. Well, this was a great pick. Thanks for finding this one and sharing it with us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and since I was polite in saying thank you, uh, <laughs> that means it's time to bring this episode to a close. But before we do, um, you know, we talked about superheroes and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of coincidence because I just happened to come across this, this fascinating movie detail about a superhero movie. Okay. Um, and, I, and it was just too mind-blowing that I had to share. Uh, so I found this on Reddit, as I usually do, uh, posted by Pale Guy. <laughs> and uh, they pointed out that um, in Captain America, the first Avenger, Marvel acknowledges the existence of Hitler in their universe. This would also mean that Hitler is eligible to be added to the list of top 10 MCU villains. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so where would you rank him? Like, is who's worse, Hitler or Thanos? Oh, or should we not um, have that discussion? Kind of the same person. Yeah, I mean, genocide is kind of the theme for both, right? Yeah. Someone actually commented, "What's his superpower?" And the response was racism. 
So. Oh, <laughs> yep. yikes. Yep. Very true. Very that's, true. That's he is on. a villain in any universe. <laughs> that sounds like we're wrapping this up. So this has been Fan Theory Queries. I'm Michael. I'm Blythe. And I'm Spencer. In our next episode, we ask, is Kirby an apex predator? Subscribe to Fan Theory Queries so you don't miss out on that and other fascinating fan theories. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne. Today, I'd like to tell you about How It Ends, a podcast on the RQ network. How It Ends is a character-driven audio drama that intertwines grief, dreams, memory and mystery. On an ordinary evening in November 1993, Micah Jones's entire world collapses when her father, Nolan, dies in a car accident. Over 20 years later, grief has a hold on her, causing night terrors and an eerie recurring dream that leaves Micah exhausted and on edge. She starts a podcast with her friends to put her nightmares to rest, and in the process, accidentally uncovers something much darker, something she was never meant to find. How It Ends was meant to free her from her nightmares and help her deal with her loss, but when new information about her father's accident is revealed through an unexpected source, Micah's world is changed again, and she discovers that sometimes dreams aren't dreams at all, they're memories. Follow Season 3 now by searching for How It Ends wherever you get your podcasts, or go to howitendspodcast.com or rustyquill.com for more information. Have fun, and see you later.